And I bring you God's grace and mercy and uh, peace we get to think and reflect on for this evening, uh, that ancient book from Revelation. And as we do so, I invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, you are the giver of all good and gracious gifts. We ask your benediction on our time and the word for today. Make it encouraging, engaging, and enlivening. As Lord, we come before you today with many thoughts of death on our minds, physical death, maybe emotional death, financial death, intellectual death, or maybe the coup de grace of them all, a death between you and us. Whatever it is, Lord, we ask to receive that word of grace today found in Jesus who breathes life back into us. We ask you to grant this for his sake, in whose name we pray, amen. Well, you'll see the title of the sermon, Keep Your Eyes Fixed on the Prize. I want to linger and think about at the beginning for today, what heaven that new creation is going to look like. A scripture tells us precious little about what those final days will look like, but the little we do have is a precious. In the Old Testament, here's how God describes heaven. He says, one day there will be a multitude of people, too many to count, from every language and tribe and nation, and they will all stream to God's holy mountain. On that last day, God says, we're going to beat our swords into farming tools because we're not going to practice warfare anymore. <laughs> On that last day, the book of Isaiah says, we're going to run and leap like deer. Now, some of you have had knee surgery, <laughs> a little bit of hip problems and back problems. I don't know what this is going to look like. Uh, maybe God's going to give you back your 18-year-old body or your 30-year-old body, or maybe you'll look just like you do now, uh, but you got a sprite little jig in your step. Whatever it is, we trust God is going to work it out. Because on that last day, all of our senses will be completely renewed. Uh, we believe as Christians that sin has infected every single part of this side of glory. All of the electrons and protons and atoms and quarks that make up the universe, everything is infested with sin. And on that last day, everything is going to be transformed into something new, something better than we can ever imagine. Our five senses will be bursting forth, no longer hindered by sin and destruction. Just seeing Jesus forever. Maybe we'll see rainbows of beauty. You know, two of my things that are my favorite in this world are the taste of cookies and cream chocolate bars and the smell of movie theater popcorn. I don't know what tastes. I don't know what smells await me on that last day, but I know it's going to make me forget about those things forever, unless, you know, Christ has a big bowl of popcorn waiting for me behind his back, and I will smile and rejoice for all eternity, because on that last day, uh, we will hear children laughing, brooks bubbling. On that last day, we will see God. But that day has not yet come. Now, right now, we live on this side of glory. 
We read on page six the problems that we still have. We know the problems that lurk inside of each and every single one of us. Death comes and tinkers with everything on this side of glory, but Jesus comes and today he speaks a word of hope. Uh, The scriptures call him a message of grace and truth in the book of John, and today we hear that apt word for those people who struggle for today. For you that have a loved one named before you. For you who come here today and maybe there's loved ones from of old and it still stings from the past. And yeah, we're confident of heaven and Christ in the new creation, but it still hurts today. Jesus cares and he's doing something about it. You know, I want to linger on that reading from Revelation for today, but before we get to it, I want to tell you a brief story that I think will set up this reading a little bit better. Uh, Several years ago, I was in seventh grade, (laughs) and my English teacher, uh, I owe her a great debt of gratitude for several things. Uh, But she was incredible at forming me, and she taught me many literary devices, euphemisms, how to construct a narrative with rising and falling action. And that day, we were working on metaphors. And the big idea was this, you can't mix metaphors. It just confuses your reader. She said, don't even bother. Uh, Good news, good lesson, bad news. I was the person she was holding up as what not to do. (laughs) I think I had some story about a farmer and he was thinking about something from the past and it was a burn into his mind as it washed over him as this enjoying memory. And she made this point, class, you can't have something that burns and you can't have something that washes. Pick a metaphor and move on with life. Well, I love my teacher, but that memory is today, at least, burned into my mind as it washes over me for today. I tell you that to tell you this. In the book of Revelation, there's a whole bunch of mixed metaphors but they do it to proclaim Christ. Uh, The book of Revelation is this ancient book. It's the last book in the Bible, and it's cyclical. It tells the same story seven different times. And at the center of each telling of it is Jesus Christ and the comfort he brings uh, to his people. I want to read for you verbatim just a brief part of it again, because I think it's so beautiful, uh, the words and the gospel promises that we get. Therefore they, that's you, uh, are before the throne of God for all forever. And you'll serve him day and night in his temple. And he, Jesus, will sit there on the throne and he will shelter us all with his presence. There'll be no more hunger, no more thirst. The sun will not strike us by day nor any scorching heat. And then the evangelist goes on and he mixes all sorts of metaphors as he says this. Now, Christian, look, here's this temple image. And as you're looking at this temple, uh, like me, I would expect to see a priest in that temple. Uh, But he says, no, here's the temple, after that passage I just read, here's the temple, and inside the temple is a throne. 
Okay, as you're thinking to yourself, well, you might expect to see a king on that throne, but the next phrase he uses in, in that temple, on that throne, is actually this a cute little white lamb. And before your brain can unpack that, it says, well, just kidding, that lamb is actually a shepherd, and he's going to lead us to streams of living water, and, and the shepherd lamb thing is going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. And as my a seventh grade teacher and myself are screaming in the background, you can't do that, the book of Revelation is preaching in the foreground, this is Christ. The Lamb Shepherd who knows your pain, who has scarred hands and a broken side and comes into this world broken and bloodied and beaten. Even though he knew no sin, Christ experienced sin in the fullest way possible. And when he rose from the dead, he didn't forget about it. He remembered the junk that happened to his friends 2,000 years ago, and he remembers the stuff that happens to you today as well, and he's doing something about it. We have to look no further than the New Testament. In John chapter 11, Jesus shows up that lamb shepherd and he does something about it. John chapter 11 is beautiful for several reasons, but it's where Jesus goes to a funeral. Uh, the one time in the Holy Scriptures where Jesus goes uh, to a funeral. My confirmands love this story because for memory work, it's the shortest verse in all of the Bible. It's uh, Jesus wept. And in the Greek, it's actually an inceptive perfect. It means this, he cried and he kept on crying. He grieved his friend. Jesus grieved for three long days, even though he knew what he was capable of. Jesus grieved for three long days, even though he knew what he would do. And at that funeral story in John chapter 11, Jesus shows up. He shows up at his friend, and at that funeral service when everyone is crying and Jesus is beside himself, he says, let me show you a glimpse of what is to come. Jesus stands before the tomb of his friend and says, come out. I love the New King James Version translation. It says it like this. It says, and his friend, he stinketh. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And gives us a glimpse of what is to come because Jesus knows our pain and what he's doing about it. You know, several years ago, my friend, he served down as a missionary. Um, it was in South America, kind of in the Brazilian region. Uh, he was doing great work down there. And as he was preaching the gospel, uh, he was doing it to this remote tribe. They knew of the outside world, but they weren't necessarily all on board. They wanted to keep their distance. Well, as he's preaching Christ and bringing them the gospel, unfortunately, a disease breaks out in the entire camp. Uh, the people have grown to trust the missionary. They know of the hospitals in the big cities, and they say, can you take us there and help us? Uh, the missionary says, of course. And he walks them over, and there, to get there, is a big river. And I tell you that because to a person in this tribe, no one had ever gone in the river, and no one wanted to go in the river that day. 
Part of their culture suggested that if you went in the river, you would not come out again. The missionary said, come on, what are you, what are you doing? If, if you just cross this, it's, it's not even that deep. You can, most of you can walk across it. You're going to be fine. You can get to the hospitals. Everything will be okay. So he took off his socks and shoes, and he stood there on the bank. He said, look, everything's okay. And the people of the tribe stood there and looked at him, and eh, they weren't really buying it. So the missionary uh, stripped off his shirt, he, he jumped in the water, and he starts swimming around and says, look, it's going to be okay. Everybody's still on the seashore, and no, I don't think so. So the missionary says, fine. And he swims across to the other side, and he stands there and says, look, I am alive. <laughs> And the whole tribe rejoices and celebrates, and they trust him, and they all go over to, to the hospital. I tell you that because this is, in many respects, like Christ and his message for the world. You know, the book of 1 John, or the book of John says this, in the beginning was the Word, and that Word has a name, which is Jesus. He comes into this world, and he's full of grace and truth, and he preaches that message. And yet, in John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. And several people go, I don't know. So Jesus starts his earthly ministry. You know the one. In John chapter 4, where Jesus shows up to a woman who is dead in her marital relationships with five different people. And Jesus comes and says, woman, come drink from something that will restore you forever. Come have the living water. Or in John chapter 8, when Jesus meets that woman at the well who is caught in adultery. Uh, just the woman who is caught in adultery. And Jesus says to her, woman, you are dead in your societal standings. It's okay. Go and sin no more. You are uh, forgiven. Or in John chapter 11, where Jesus gathers everybody together and says, Look, I am the good shepherd. You're my sheep. Come follow me. And yet still somehow people didn't believe him. So Jesus says, Fine. And he dives in that river of death and swims around for three long days and pops out on the other side to call us home to life everlasting. My friends, what are you struggling with for tonight? Maybe somebody died in your life, and that grief is too difficult to even utter. Maybe you think you got it all together, but just under the surface, it's going to get bad. Uh, maybe you're like that person who is caught in the darkness and the death of their marital relationship. Uh, maybe you're like the woman caught in adultery and you struggle with the purity of your own uh, body. Whatever it might be, whatever form death pops in as Jesus promises us this. <laughs> One day, he's coming back. One day, this Jesus is going to stand before your tomb. Your hole in the ground. Your brick out in some memorial garden. Your urn on some mantle place, and Jesus is going to say to you, come out. And at the sound of his voice, your dust is going to rematerialize in the bones. 
Your bones will rattle and, and flesh and sinew will cover them and you yourself will stand in the very presence of God Almighty and in the midst of the billions and the billions of recreated humans, Christ is going to come and find you. Personally and individually. That's the prize. It's what is to come because of Christ and in Christ. Child of God, stay in this forevermore. And his promises and the prize that he gives us as he loves you forever. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.